Welcome to week nine in the RCC. This is our weekly interconnections talk. I am Dr. Peter. It's good to be with you. We're now going to be bringing into focus connecting with protectors. We're working from pages 45 to 48 of our self-therapy workbook by Bonnie Weiss. And just to draw your attention to it, there's a list of questions on page 46 that might be helpful to you in the experiential exercise later. So it's good to have this book and your parts journal and maybe your parts map, you know, have those things handy when we get to that next session. So let's just pick it up with how most people who are serious about introspective work, who are serious about work, you know, looking at what's going on inside, how most people do that. There's one of two courses or one of, one of two approaches that people take. And I'm drawing from Bonnie Weiss here and expanding on it. She mentions these on page 45. The first is what I'm going to call the intellectual approach. It's all about analyzing. It's all about conceptualizing. It's all about figuring out. It's a very left brain. It's all about thinking. It's all about calculating. It's all about detective work, figuring out what's going on inside. And it also tends to be very verbal, very language-based. It makes much use of reasoning, deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning, and it focuses on insight. It, it figures things out like this, oh, I must do this behavior because of that emotion or because of that desire or because of that experience when I was growing up and so on and so forth. This intellectual approach sees the self as a puzzle to be solved or a riddle to be decoded. And this is all driven by our intellectual manager parts. It's not a very relational approach. It keeps all the other parts at a distance. And it looks at those other parts, emotions, desires, attitudes, impulses, and assumptions, all that stuff. It wants to bring it into conscious awareness and analyze it, but it doesn't want to actually experience it much. And it doesn't want to deal with the parts that are carrying burdens or the parts that are in extreme roles, right? Keep that all at a distance. There are therapies that focus on this kind of approach, that use this kind of approach. I would say cognitive behavioral therapy really focuses on this. It's a very intellectual therapy, very much about your thoughts. That's why it's called cognitive behavioral therapy. I would also argue that psychoanalytic or psychodynamic therapy is very focused on this because it's all about insight. It's all about making the unconscious conscious. And other depth approaches are as well. And these approaches are favored by many serious Catholics because their manager parts feel that it is safer to think about emotions, to think about desires, to think about attitudes, to think about assumptions and ponder them and so on, rather than engage with the parts of us that hold those assumptions, beliefs, desires, and so forth. Right, so that's the first approach, the intellectual approach. Very left brain, very much about reasoning and thinking. And now, on the other side, there's another approach that people often use, which is the emotional resonance approach. That's what I'm going to call it, the emotional resonance approach. This is a very right brain approach, very intuitive, very body-based, very visual, very nonverbal. Focuses on feeling the feelings, embracing the experiences, letting yourself go right? It sees, the, it sees the person as constricted, needing to be set free from confinement. And this may appeal to our more emotional parts, parts that want to blend, parts that use a model of fusion, of blending rather than being separate but near. 
And I would argue this is also not a very relational approach, at least to relating between the self and parts. The focus is usually on relating with another person deeply, like a therapist or a romantic partner. The parts feel safer blending with the self and then in that blended state being known by somebody else, right? So what happens is parts want to be known. They want to be known by a self. They blend with their own self. They may not even realize they do that. And when they've taken over, then maybe they can relate with another person, right? But this is very unstable often. It can be very dysregulated. Older models of trauma therapy that involved re-experiencing the trauma, going back into the trauma, that just leads people to be re-traumatized. It's not in the window of tolerance. These experiences are being relived in a way that doesn't help you to work through them. It just creates a whole lot of tension, a whole lot of misery, a whole lot of re-traumatization. So we need a third possibility. IFS offers us that third possibility by staying in self. And from that position of being in self, and we have those eight C's, right? Being with our parts. And now in IFS, there is no need to take an intellectual approach where you're trying to figure parts out or analyze them or decode them. The parts just tell us, right? When we have the right relationship with the part, when there's trust, we, the part can just tell us. There's no need for those kind of interpretations. Now, this was new to me. I trained under a psychoanalyst for seven years, and I, I worked as a psychoanalytic therapist for 15 years. I was very good at interpretation, but I'll tell you, that type of approach takes a long time. There's a lot of mistakes. It's much more accurate. It's much easier and much simpler to have good, trusting relationships with your target part, and then when that target part is ready, he or she will just tell you what you need to know. So much less work. It's so much more cooperative. It's so much more collaborative. There's no need to be blended either, to be swept away by the intensity of parts, like in the emotional resonance model. There's no need to be at the mercy of parts dysregulation. No need to be flooded. We stay in self in this approach, and the self leads and guides the system. The thing is, this is a major shift for our protectors to go from driving your bus to allowing yourself to lead and guide your system. We don't want to underestimate how radical a shift that is for protectors. So we start by looking for a trusting relationship between ourself and our protector. That's where we start. It's really critical for us to get to know our protectors first when we're doing this internal work. Protectors handle our day-to-day interactions in the world. Protectors guard us against being overwhelmed and flooded with pain from the past. Protectors take on extreme roles in their attempts to help us survive and get along in very, very difficult circumstances. You know, protectors don't want to take on these extreme roles. For example, of being a, a harsh internal critic. They, they take on those roles because they believe someone has to do it. And often it, it really is a question of life and death, at least at the time, right? Protectors are, are trying to help us survive. We are looking for your protectors to begin to know and eventually trust yourself. To know that you have a self, first of all, and to know that yourself has everything it needs supplied by the grace of God to lead and guide your system. That's what we're looking for. So when we begin to work with our, our system, we choose a protector part, most likely a manager, but it could be a firefighter if you prefer, right? Remember, 
There are two kinds of protectors, managers and firefighters. Managers protect proactively. They're forward-looking. They're future-looking. Firefighters protect reactively once there's already a threat of an exile breaking through and flooding with the intensity of its experience. Now, this part that we're, that you're going to choose, it could be a part that you've been working with in your check-ins. It could be a part that you've mapped on your parts map from last week when we were doing parts mapping in week eight. It could be a part that was identified on your IMK report, either uh, either a manager or a firefighter. That protector becomes your target part, and the target part is where you are focusing. Right? So... I want to just give you some traits of protector parts. These are from Blanca Dazi. She put them up on ifsguide.com. I thought this was really, really good. I hadn't seen it quite put this way before, so I thought this would be helpful. And she says, protectors want to be heard. Protectors have a role in your system. Protectors had to take on this role. They felt they did. And protectors are protecting something. That's why we call them protectors. Protectors work very hard and they don't get to rest very much. Protectors are frustrated with their results. Protectors polarize with other parts. Protectors are stuck in time. And protectors often don't know about the self. All right, so these are qualities or traits of protectors. Now, when we begin to connect with the target part, and we'll do that in the experiential exercise, we're going to notice whatever information is readily and immediately available about the target part. Anything that's obvious right in the moment. Right? So we're finding the part through its tells, through the ways that it identifies itself. And again, those could be body sensations, emotions, images, or visualizations. It could be what the part looks like, or it could be something that the part is showing you visually. It could be memories, impulses, desires, thoughts, beliefs, assumptions you know, like an inner voice that has a message for you in some way. It could be other internal experiences. Mine often will communicate through songs, right, through lyrics of songs. Now let's talk a little bit about parts and names. It's often very useful to have a name for a part. Right? Now typically we're going to ask the part to tell us what it would like us to call it, okay? We let the part name itself, in other words. Right? And that can be really important because how that part names itself can reveal something about how that part sees itself or how, it, how, or how it identifies itself. Remember that names can be temporary, right? Especially because names are often descriptive phrases that describe what the part experiences. For example, the, quote, fearful part, end quote right? That describes the part's experience, but that could change. We hope it does. If that was an exile that carries fear, that's burdened with fear, we would, we would like that part to be able to be free of that. Or the name can describe the part's role in your system, like the guardian part. Right? All these roles and all these experiences can change, and they do change, and so sometimes names can change too. For example, my internal critic is now my evaluator, which is different than being a critic, right? So, so we want to ask, what would you like me to call you? And the name can often be a, a nickname or a name that the person had from long ago. I have a feisty part. I also have a part that has just a kind of unique name, melancholio. And melancholio carries my sadness. It's the part that experiences sadness. So some questions that we might ask, and I'll bring these up again when we do the experiential exercise, but 
what would you like me to know about you? What would you like to share with me about your experience? What is your job in my system? Protectors always have a job. It's some kind of role around protecting. What good are you seeking for me in doing your job? And if you didn't do that job, what are you concerned would happen? That's a really critical question. What is the part concerned would happen if it doesn't carry out its role within your system? How long have you been doing your job for us? How old were you when you took on this job and how did it start? How do you feel about doing your job? What emotions are you feeling right now? And what brings up those emotions for you? How do you relate with other parts within our system? How do you relate with other people? And what would you like from me? Now remember, the responses that parts give to those questions, they might not be clear or concise, especially right away. It can take some significant time for parts to reveal themselves. Some may not be very fluent with language, especially if they're really young parts. And our managers, especially those who want to analyze, may have difficulty with alternative ways of communicating, right? So we want to, we want to be really patient with that. And rather than just looking at the verbal responses or the word responses to the questions, we also want to very much get a felt sense of the part. Like you might with an infant or a toddler or even a preschooler, an intuitive sense, an emotional resonance. This is more of a right brain approach. This is more intuitive. This is more relational. And we have to accept partial understandings, right? Subtle communications, vague sensations. Let's, let's stay with those because in time, clarity will come. Just like in other relationships, we don't understand other people right away. It takes time for us to get to know them. So it is with our parts as well. So some guidelines with this. Don't rush. You want to slow it down. Slow is fast in this kind of work. A lot of gentleness, a lot of kindness, a lot of patience. It's really important to have that curiosity, a genuine interest in the part, and a genuine compassion for the part. And we want to build that part to self relationship. We want the target part to find you as self to be a secure base. We want that target part to be able to trust the self. We're also going to be checking out how you feel toward the target part because that can help you to know whether you're blended, right? If what the part says makes sense to you, let the target part know that it makes sense, that you get it. And if you feel any of the eight C's toward the target part, let that part know as well. Empathize with the part. You want to be separate but near, right? We're not looking for fusion or blending. And we also want to keep an eye out for agendas, right? Because agendas signal that a, a different part is blended with you. Maybe it's an analyzing part that wants to get to know this part in order to figure out how to make it stop you being so nervous at work. That's not genuine curiosity. That's an agenda. So we want to unblend from those protectors. And we give a lot of guidance for how to do that in week six. And also an appreciation for the part's efforts, for its good intentions for you. Gratitude goes a long way in this work. So I am excited to be with you. And I'll see you back on the other side for the experiential exercise.